you are now listening to people that change the world. My name is Steve Matthews. In this podcast, we'll explore all of the world's most fascinating people, their stories, and how they managed to change the world. Stay tuned for today's episode. In the heart of Portland, Oregon, on a chilly February day in 1938, a newborn's cries echoed through the halls of the Knight household. Little did anyone know, this newborn, Phil Knight, would grow up to leave an indelible imprint on the world of sportswear. His father, William, was an industrious man, his days split between his law practice and duties as a newspaper publisher. The dedicated lawyer and publisher didn't just deal with the law and newsprint. From him, Phil learned the value of diligent work and the art of navigating the unpredictable seas of life. Complimenting William's fiery determination was Loda, Phil's mother. A homemaker par excellence, she was the anchor of the Knight family. Her unwavering dedication to the family and the home served as a silent, yet potent, testament to the power of commitment and stability. Raised in this middle-class milieu, Phil was never far from the values that would later drive his professional life. The echoing laughter, shared meals, and even the occasional argument between siblings served as an ever-present reminder of the importance of perseverance and hard work. As he grew older, Phil's fascination with sports began to take center stage. His heart pounded in time with the rhythmic thud of his running shoes against the hard asphalt. The track was his sanctuary, the place where he was free to push his limits and test his endurance. It was here that the seeds of his future enterprise were unknowingly sown. But, like any good story, this was just the beginning of Phil Knight's journey. At Cleveland High School, where the corridors were abuzz with youthful energy, a new passion began to take root in Phil Knight. The field's green expanse, the adrenaline rush, the rhythmic pounding of shoes on the track, it was there that Phil found his sanctuary. Running wasn't just a sport for him, it was a form of solace, a private escape where he could challenge his limits. Upon graduation, Phil's steps led him to the University of Oregon. He was no longer just a boy from Portland, he was a duck, ready to take flight. Under the open sky of Hayward Field, Phil's love for running blossomed into an all-consuming passion. It was here, running on the university's famed track, that he encountered a man who would change his life, Bill Bowerman. With his piercing gaze and unyielding commitment to excellence, Bowerman was more than just a coach. He was a legendary figure in the world of track and field, a man whose reputation for nurturing athletic prowess was well known. Bowerman was relentless, driven by the pursuit of perfection. He was forever seeking ways to enhance his athletes' performance, even going so far as to tinker with their running shoes. Under Bowerman's tutelage, Knight not only honed his athletic skills but also absorbed the coach's relentless pursuit of innovation. The track became his second home, the pounding of his feet against the surface a rhythmic anthem that fueled his aspiration. As Knight's college years unfolded, his relationship with Bowerman deepened, evolving beyond that of a coach and an athlete. Unbeknownst to them, their shared passion for running and relentless pursuit of excellence were slowly laying the groundwork for a venture that would revolutionize the world of sportswear Nike. Oregon's foggy mornings were a familiar sight for Phil Knight as he trod the paths of Stanford University. 
Leaving behind the lush greenery of his home state, Knight had ventured south to the prestigious institution to further his education. Though he'd left the physical tracks of the University of Oregon behind, the lessons learned there from his mentor, Bill Bowerman, remained with him. Stanford was a world apart. The grandeur of its sandstone and red-tiled buildings, the intellectual vitality, the collision of cultures all served to broaden Knight's horizons. While the discipline instilled in him on the running track was an asset, Stanford's academic rigor proved to be a new kind of marathon. In the hallowed halls of Stanford's Graduate School of Business, Knight immersed himself in the principles of finance, marketing, and management. He was not merely a student absorbing knowledge, he was an eager explorer, delving into the world of business with the same intensity he once reserved for his running practice. In a class on entrepreneurship, Knight was tasked with creating a business plan. His mind raced back to his experiences on the track field, the endless quest for the perfect running shoe. The seed of an idea began to sprout. What if he could create superior athletic shoes, merging quality with affordability? He toyed with the idea, sketching out a plan to import high-quality running shoes from Japan, a country rising in manufacturing prowess. This project, initially just an academic exercise, was the blueprint for what would eventually become Nike. Though Knight was unaware of it at the time, Stanford was more than just a stepping stone in his academic journey. It was the crucible in which his dreams began to take shape, intertwining his passion for running and his academic pursuits. As Knight absorbed the lessons of entrepreneurship and business, the path to his future started to unfold before him. Upon receiving his MBA in 1962, a 24-year-old Phil Knight wasn't ready to settle into a 9-to-5 job just yet. With a restless spirit and a yearning for adventure, he embarked on a globetrotting journey that would forever shape the trajectory of his life and the future of athletic footwear. Knight set his sights eastward, starting his journey in Hawaii. The island's breathtaking landscapes were a far cry from the orderly suburban blocks of Portland and he reveled in its beauty. But Hawaii was just the beginning. From the sandy beaches of Hawaii, Knight journeyed to Japan, a nation rapidly transforming into an industrial powerhouse post-World War II. It was in Kobe where he first encountered the Anasuka Tiger running shoes. Struck by their quality and affordability, Knight saw a golden opportunity to bring these shoes to American athletes. He took a chance and secured a meeting with the executives at Anasuka. With a blend of earnest passion and raw determination, Knight pitched the idea of importing their shoes to the U.S. To his delight, they agreed, and he left Japan with distribution rights for the western United States, a crucial first step in his entrepreneurial journey. From Japan, Knight continued his travels through Asia, each destination leaving its mark. In the bustling streets of Hong Kong, the ancient temples of India, and the historical landmarks of Greece, he found inspiration and a deeper understanding of the world. His journey culminated in a visit to the ancient city of Nike in Greece. Here, among the ruins, Knight felt a connection to the city's mythological namesake, the goddess of victory. He didn't know it then, but this experience would later inspire the name of his company and its iconic logo forever linking his adventure to the brand's identity. 
Returning to Oregon after a year abroad, Knight was not the same young man who had left. His experiences had broadened his perspective, fueled his entrepreneurial spirit, and set him on a path to bring his business plan to life. The stage was set for the birth of a new venture, a company that would come to be known as Nike. Returning home with a suitcase full of Anasuka tigers and a head swirling with ideas, Knight was eager to start his business venture. But every great endeavor needs a strong foundation, and in this case, it was the formation of Blue Ribbon Sports, the precursor to Nike. It was 1964 when Knight partnered with his former track coach, Bill Bowerman, to form the company. Bowerman, a renowned innovator with a deep understanding of athletes' needs, was the perfect partner. Knight handled the business operations, while Bowerman focused on product development, dissecting the Anasuka Tigers and reassembling them with improvements. Their shared passion for athletics was the heartbeat of Blue Ribbon Sports. Their first office was no more than the trunk of Knight's Green Plymouth Valiant. Knight would sell the Anasuka shoes at track meets. His persuasive sales pitch combined with the undeniable quality of the shoes quickly made them popular among athletes. Meanwhile, Bowerman continued his tinkering. He was relentless in his pursuit of the perfect running shoe, always seeking ways to make them lighter, more comfortable, and better performing. His innovations, which included using a waffle iron to create a new type of running shoe sole, would soon revolutionize athletic footwear. As sales climbed, Blue Ribbon Sports expanded, moving out of Knight's car trunk and into its first store in Santa Monica, California, in 1966. In those early days, the fledgling company faced its fair share of challenges, including disputes with Anasuka over distribution rights. But each challenge was met with resilience and determination, the team working tirelessly to grow their brand and cement their place in the market. Blue Ribbon Sports was more than just a shoe company, it was a testament to Knight and Bowerman's belief in better athletic performance through superior footwear. This belief, coupled with their unyielding determination and innovative spirit, laid the groundwork for what Nike would become. It was the beginning of a story that would change the world of sports forever. As the turbulent 60s rolled into the 70s, change was in the air. Blue Ribbon Sports was growing, but a rift with Anasuka threatened the company's future. Phil Knight and his team decided to take a bold step, one that would see them transform from a distributor of Japanese shoes to a brand with its own identity. In 1971, Blue Ribbon Sports officially became Nike, Incorporated. The name was inspired by the Greek goddess of victory, embodying the company's vision of inspiring and enabling athletic success. The name change was significant, but it was a new visual identity that would come to define the brand and resonate with people worldwide. Enter Carolyn Davidson, a graphic design student at Portland State University. Knight had met Davidson during his part-time accounting teaching stint at the university, and knowing her artistic talents, he commissioned her to create a logo for the fledgling company. The brief was simple yet challenging design a symbol that suggested motion and speed. Davidson's solution was the swoosh, a fluid, simple mark that conveyed dynamism and athleticism. The logo was initially met with lukewarm reception from Knight, but with time constraints pressing, 
he decided to move forward, famously stating, I don't love it, but it will grow on me. Little did he know that this humble, checkmark-like logo would become one of the most recognized symbols in global branding. With the new name and logo, Nike was ready to step into the spotlight. The first shoe featuring the swoosh was a soccer cleat named Nike, debuting in 1971. Nike's first major endorsement came in the form of the charismatic tennis star, Elena Stas, who was the first athlete to officially wear Nike shoes in competition. Nike, Inc., the swoosh, in their first athletic endorsement marked a new chapter in Phil Knight's journey. They were no longer just selling shoes, they were selling a brand, a mission, and an ethos, all encapsulated in one powerful symbol. The swoosh was more than just a logo, it was a beacon for athletes and a testament to Knight's relentless pursuit of victory. In the realm of sportswear, staying ahead of the competition means not only identifying and setting trends, but also leading the way in innovation. Phil Knight, along with his partner Bill Bowerman, knew this all too well. After establishing their own brand, they set their sights on revolutionizing the world of athletic shoes. The first major innovation came from Bowerman himself. One morning, while having waffles for breakfast, he had a eureka moment. The waffle iron's pattern seemed like the perfect solution for the traction problems he had been trying to solve. This led to the creation of the famous waffle trainer in 1974, with its waffle-like sole providing athletes with the grip they needed on a variety of surfaces. But the innovations didn't stop there. In the late 70s, Nike introduced the Tailwind, the first shoe to feature Nike Air technology. This was a result of aerospace technology engineer Frank Rudy's idea to use encapsulated air for cushioning in shoes. These air-filled plastic membranes revolutionized the industry, providing unparalleled comfort and support. In the 1980s, the advent of the Air Jordan line of basketball shoes took the world by storm. Collaborating with Michael Jordan, one of the most iconic basketball players of all time, Nike created a brand within a brand, further solidifying their position as the leaders in athletic footwear. This move was not only a business success but also a cultural phenomenon, bridging the gap between sports and popular culture. Innovation also extended beyond products to marketing strategies. Nike began using big-name athletes in their advertising, creating powerful narratives that were more than just about selling shoes. The Just Do It campaign, launched in 1988, became a rallying cry for people everywhere to pursue their dreams and ambitions, further cementing Nike's place in the hearts of consumers. These significant innovations, both in product design and marketing, were pivotal in Nike's success. With each step, they redefined what sportswear could be making the brand synonymous with athletic achievement and personal empowerment. Phil Knight's commitment to innovation was not just about improving Nike's product line, it was about changing the way people perceived and interacted with sports. In the late 1970s, Nike was already a rapidly growing brand, but it was about to take a giant leap forward thanks to the introduction of a groundbreaking innovation, the Nike Air. This tale began with an aerospace engineer named Frank Rudy. Rudy had an idea that seemed far-fetched at the time, to put air into shoe soles for better cushioning. 
It was an idea he had tried pitching to various shoe companies, but was met with rejection. That was until he came across Phil Knight and Nike. Knight, ever the innovator, saw potential in Rudy's idea. He understood that the world of sport required continuous evolution, and Rudy's idea seemed like the next big thing. Nike and Rudy collaborated, and the first shoe to feature this technology, the Nike Tailwind, was introduced to runners at the Honolulu Marathon in 1978. The shoe was a hit. Athletes reported an unprecedented level of comfort and support, and consumers were intrigued by the unique, air-cushioned shoe. Nike Air technology, characterized by a pocket of air trapped within the sole of the shoe, soon became a distinctive feature of Nike's athletic shoes. In the 1980s, the technology evolved even further with the introduction of the Air Max line, which featured a larger air cushioning unit and, for the first time, a small window into the sole allowing users to see the air pocket. This not only served a functional purpose but also a stylistic one, adding to the shoe's aesthetic appeal. The Air Jordan 3, released in 1988, was the first of the iconic Air Jordan line to incorporate visible Nike Air units. This iteration of the shoe, designed by Tinker Hatfield, would go on to become one of the most beloved sneaker designs of all time. Nike Air technology was more than just a product innovation, it was a revolution in athletic footwear. It redefined comfort and performance, setting a new standard that competitors scrambled to meet. It turned Nike from a fast-growing company into an industry leader. But most importantly, it was a testament to Phil Knight's belief in innovation and his willingness to take risks, traits that continue to define Nike to this day. As the 1980s dawned, Nike, already on the ascent thanks to innovative products like the Nike Air, embarked on another path that would forever change the brand. It entered the realm of advertising in a big way. Phil Knight was not initially a believer in the power of advertising. He was a product man, believing that if you made a great product, it would sell itself. But he knew that to establish Nike as the leading sportswear brand, he had to create a strong emotional connection between consumers and the Nike brand. Enter Dan Whedon and David Kennedy, two creatives from Portland who were about to launch their own advertising agency. They landed Nike as one of their first clients, and so began one of the most successful partnerships in advertising history. Whedon and Kennedy, the agency, understood that Nike was not just selling shoes or apparel. They were selling an idea, a lifestyle. This understanding was reflected in the campaigns they created for Nike. Their ads were innovative, emotional, and often controversial capturing the public's attention and fostering a strong, almost cult-like connection between consumers and the brand. One of their first major successes came in 1987 with the Revolution campaign for the Air Max shoes. The commercial, set to the Beatles song Revolution, was a hit. It was the first time a Beatles song had been used in a TV commercial, causing quite a stir but it catapulted Nike into the public consciousness like never before. However, it was in 1988 that Whedon and Kennedy created what would become one of the most iconic slogans in advertising history for Nike, Just Do It the slogan, inspired by the last words of a condemned murderer, encapsulated the brand's ethos of grit, 
determination, and empowerment. It was a rallying cry that resonated with everyone, not just athletes. Perhaps the most significant campaign they created was the one featuring basketball player Michael Jordan and director Spike Lee. Dubbed the Air Jordan Campaign, it made Michael Jordan synonymous with Nike and propelled the brand to new heights. Through these campaigns and others, Phil Knight, with Whedon and Kennedy by his side, demonstrated that advertising, when done right, can be an incredibly powerful tool. It wasn't just about selling more shoes. It was about building a brand that people could identify with, that inspired them, and that they were proud to wear. This approach transformed Nike from a mere shoe company into a global icon, a symbol of athleticism, style, and the spirit of rebellion. As Nike was making waves in the advertising industry, Phil Knight was simultaneously plotting another strategy to bolster the company's image. He understood the profound influence that celebrities, particularly athletes, could wield over consumers. But Knight's approach to celebrity endorsement was far from conventional, and it would revolutionize the way businesses interacted with athletes forever. In 1973, Nike signed its first endorsement contract with Elena Stas, a charismatic Romanian tennis player. It was a bold step for a young company, but it was just a taste of what was to come. The real game-changer, however, came in 1984 with a young, electric basketball player named Michael Jordan. At the time, Converse was the dominant brand in basketball, and it was the brand Jordan initially wanted to sign with. But Knight saw in Jordan what he had seen in Nike, raw potential. He offered Jordan a staggering $250,000 a year, an unheard of amount at the time for an athlete endorsement, and promised him his own shoe line, the Air Jordans. The Air Jordan line and the accompanying marketing campaign propelled Nike to unprecedented heights. But more importantly, it completely changed the game in terms of athlete endorsements. No longer were athletes just passive endorsers, they were now partners and collaborators, integral to the design and marketing process. This strategy was replicated with other athletes across various sports, Bo Jackson, the multi-sport athlete who inspired the Bo Nose campaign, was another hit. In soccer, Nike signed Brazilian star Ronaldo and later, Cristiano Ronaldo and Neymar. In golf, they signed a young Tiger Woods. Each of these athletes brought their own unique flair and persona, further enriching the Nike brand. Knight's approach to celebrity endorsements was not without its risks. The company has faced backlash and controversy over the actions of some of its endorsers. However, the strategy has largely been a resounding success, turning Nike into a cultural behemoth that transcends the realm of sports. The company's endorsement strategy was not just about selling products, it was about creating a community, a lifestyle. When consumers buy a Nike product endorsed by their favorite athlete, they're not just buying a shoe or a jersey. They're buying into a narrative, a feeling of belonging to something larger than themselves. And that, in essence, is the genius of Phil Knight's Nike. As the 1980s came to a close, Nike had firmly established itself as a major player in the sports world. But Phil Knight wasn't content with simply dominating the sports shoe market. He had a vision for Nike that extended far beyond just footwear, 
and he set out to turn the company into a comprehensive sports brand. In 1988, Nike introduced its first line of golf equipment, a move that signaled the company's intent to expand into other sports. This was followed by an entry into the world of soccer, a sport that was growing rapidly in popularity in the United States. Nike's expansion wasn't limited to product lines. The company also began to aggressively enter new markets around the globe. In particular, Nike saw huge potential in the burgeoning markets of Asia and Europe. The company invested heavily in these regions, building up a strong presence through marketing campaigns, sponsorships, and retail stores. Nike's expansion strategy wasn't without its challenges. The company faced stiff competition from established brands, cultural barriers, and the logistical difficulties of operating in foreign markets. However, under Knight's leadership, Nike navigated these challenges with a mix of audacity and pragmatism. One of Knight's most significant moves was to establish Nike's European headquarters in the Netherlands in 1999. This strategic decision allowed Nike to better understand and cater to the European market, which is known for its passionate football, soccer, culture. In Asia, Nike leveraged the region's growing middle class and the increasing popularity of Western brands. The company tailored its marketing efforts to resonate with local consumers, often using local athletes in their campaigns. The expansion strategy paid off handsomely. Today, Nike is truly a global brand, with products sold in virtually every country around the world. It's a testament to Knight's vision and his ability to execute it, even in the face of daunting challenges. Knight's relentless drive for expansion didn't just create a multinational corporation. It has brought together people from all walks of life, from all corners of the globe, under the banner of sport. It's a testament to the power of a brand that stands for something, a brand that people want to be a part of. And that is perhaps Phil Knight's most significant legacy. Despite the immense success that Phil Knight and Nike had achieved, the journey was not always smooth. Just as any other business, Nike had its share of challenges. Yet, it was in facing these trials that Knight's leadership and the strength of the Nike brand truly shone. One of the most significant challenges Nike faced occurred in the 1990s when the company came under intense scrutiny over labor practices in its overseas factories. Allegations of poor working conditions and low wages led to widespread criticism and boycotts. It was a sobering period for the company, a reminder that with great success comes great responsibility. Knight took these criticisms to heart. While initially defensive, he realized that for Nike to continue its growth, it needed to address these issues head-on. The company launched a series of reforms, improving working conditions, increasing wages, and introducing stringent monitoring of its supply chain. It was a pivotal moment in Nike's history, marking the company's evolution from a sports brand to a socially conscious global entity. At the turn of the millennium, Nike faced another challenge. The company was struggling to maintain its growth and relevance in the face of fierce competition and changing consumer preferences. Sales were declining, and for the first time in its history, Nike seemed vulnerable. However, Knight, ever the visionary, saw this as an opportunity rather than a setback.
He knew that for Nike to stay ahead, it needed to innovate, not just one cannot delve into the history of modern sportswear, or indeed the broader cultural fabric of the last few decades, without acknowledging the sheer phenomenon that is Nike. At the heart of this global powerhouse was Phil Knight, whose vision, tenacity, and knack for understanding the pulse of the consumer transformed Nike into a cultural tour de force. From the outset, Knight recognized the power of storytelling. His belief was that Nike didn't just sell shoes or apparel, but rather, it sold aspiration, victory, and the exhilarating spirit of athleticism. Nike wasn't just a brand, it was a narrative woven into the dreams of athletes and non-athletes alike. This narrative, accompanied by the iconic swoosh logo, became entrenched in global consciousness through groundbreaking advertising campaigns. Just do it, arguably one of the most recognizable slogans of all time, didn't merely promote a product. It spoke directly to the inner athlete and everyone, encouraging them to overcome challenges, break boundaries, and fulfill their potential. The Nike phenomenon extended beyond clever marketing and quality products. It was a cultural shift, influencing not just sportswear, but also music, street fashion, and even cinema. Nike's collaboration with Michael Jordan in the late 1980s resulted in the Air Jordan line, which transcended the boundaries between sports and fashion, and heralded a new era of celebrity endorsements. Knight's shrewd understanding of pop culture ensured Nike was always one step ahead. The brand collaborated with artists, musicians, and designers, further embedding itself into the cultural zeitgeist. These collaborations, whether it was a sneaker design with rapper Kanye West or a fashion collection with designer Virgil Abloh, highlighted Nike's cultural relevance. As the 1980s dawned, Phil Knight faced a new challenge how to differentiate Nike in an increasingly crowded market. The solution came in the form of a dynamic, young basketball player who was about to change the game forever, Michael Jordan. In 1984, Jordan was a rookie with a promising career ahead of him. Yet, his allure extended beyond his undeniable talent. He possessed an electric charisma and a competitive spirit that made him magnetic. Knight saw the potential and decided that Jordan was the face Nike needed. Securing Jordan was no small feat Converse, the established giant in basketball footwear, had the likes of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird on its roster. Meanwhile, Adidas was Jordan's preferred brand. But Knight, ever the master marketer, had an ace up his sleeve the promise of his own shoe line, a first in the industry. The Air Jordan was born, and with it, a partnership that would redefine sports marketing. The Air Jordan I, debuting in 1985, was a bold assertion of Nike's intent. Its black and red colorway defied the NBA's strict rules on uniformity, earning Jordan a fine each time he wore them on court. Nike, in a stroke of genius, paid the fines and used the controversy to fuel the shoe's mystique. The resulting publicity was priceless. Yet, the partnership was more than just a successful marketing play. The Air Jordan line evolved, reflecting both Jordan's career and changes in streetwear trends. Each new model was an event, anticipated by athletes and fashion enthusiasts alike. Jordan wasn't just endorsing a product, 
he was a collaborator, further cementing the authenticity of the partnership. The impact of the Jordan endorsement extended beyond soaring sales. It gave Nike an edge in credibility in Cool, a brand not just for the serious athlete, but for anyone who aspired to be like Mike. It demonstrated the power of the right endorsement, setting the standard for future celebrity brand partnerships. The success of the Jordan endorsement affirmed Knight's belief in the power of storytelling. Each pair of Air Jordans wasn't just a shoe, it was a piece of the narrative, a slice of the magic that was Michael Jordan. Knight had crafted a tale of aspiration and cool, with Jordan at the center and Nike as the facilitator. As the years passed, the Jordan brand became a powerhouse in its own right, a testament to the enduring appeal of its namesake. Yet, it remains an integral part of the Nike story, a pivotal chapter in the brand's rise to dominance. The winning endorsement of Michael Jordan was not just a victory for Nike, but a game-changer for the world of sports marketing. But perhaps the most enduring aspect of the Nike phenomenon is its ability to inspire. Nike's stories of grit, resilience, and triumph, embodied by the athletes they partnered with, have motivated countless individuals worldwide. The brand has become a symbol of the spirit of perseverance and the relentless pursuit of goals, no matter how unreachable they may seem. Knight's vision thus transformed Nike from a sports shoe company to a global phenomenon that resonates with millions. The brand's influence is seen in all walks of life, from the aspiring athlete lacing up their first pair of Nikes, to the fashion-conscious youth donning a Nike cap as a style statement. In essence, the Nike phenomenon isn't just about selling products, it's about selling dreams and inspiring the belief that everyone can achieve greatness. And at the heart of this phenomenon was Phil Knight, a man whose passion for sports and understanding of the human spirit helped shape the cultural landscape of the modern world. After two decades of remarkable growth and innovation, Phil Knight decided to take a bold step in 1980 that would forever alter the course of Nike. He took the company public. The decision was a crucial one. Going public would provide Nike with an influx of capital that would enable the company to further expand and innovate. It was also a monumental risk. It meant surrendering a level of control and privacy, exposing Nike to the scrutiny of shareholders and the volatility of the stock market. A tour through Wall Street was the first order of business. Knight, accompanied by a small team of Nike executives, embarked on a series of presentations to potential investors. It was a nerve-wracking endeavor. Despite Nike's success, the company was still seen as an upstart in an industry dominated by established players like Adidas and Converse. Yet, Knight had a compelling story to tell. He spoke of Nike's innovative designs, its partnerships with top athletes, and its relentless commitment to improving athletic performance. He painted a picture of a brand that had not only disrupted the market but had established itself as a leader, a brand that understood its consumers and knew how to create products they loved. The response was overwhelming. When Nike made its debut on the New York Stock Exchange on December 2, 1980, the initial public offering was a resounding success. The company's shares were priced at $22 each, but by the end of the first day of trading, they had shot up to $28.12. 
Nike raised $51 million from the IPO, providing a significant boost to its expansion efforts. Going public marked a new era for Nike. It brought increased scrutiny and pressure, but it also provided the resources for Knight and his team to dream bigger, to set their sights on becoming the world's leading sports and fitness company. Knight remained at the helm, steering Nike with the same passion and determination that had driven him since he sold shoes out of the back of his car. The decision to go public was a testament to Knight's foresight and ambition. It demonstrated his willingness to take risks, to bet on Nike's potential, and his belief in the power of sport. It was a bold move, one that would propel Nike to new heights and solidify its place in the annals of business history. Following the successful initial public offering, Nike had the capital and momentum to truly dominate the market. By the mid-1980s, the company had firmly established itself as a leader in the sports footwear industry, but Phil Knight was not one to rest on his laurels. His vision was broader, his ambition deeper. He had his sights set on becoming not just a leading sports footwear company, but a global sports and lifestyle brand. Knight understood that to achieve this goal, Nike needed to extend its reach beyond running. It needed to tap into other sports, to connect with a wider range of athletes and consumers. The company began to expand its product line, introducing footwear and apparel for a variety of sports including basketball, soccer, and tennis. The breakthrough came in 1985 with the signing of a young, charismatic basketball player named Michael Jordan. The partnership with Jordan marked a significant shift in Nike's strategy. It wasn't just about selling shoes, it was about creating a brand, a lifestyle, a culture. The release of the Air Jordan sneakers was a game-changer. In the annals of advertising history, few campaigns have wielded as much influence or garnered as much acclaim as Nike's Just Do It slogan. Birthed in a meeting room in 1988, those three simple words would come to encapsulate Nike's brand ethos and ignite a global sports and fitness revolution. The mastermind behind the iconic slogan was Dan Whedon, co-founder of the advertising agency Whedon Plus Kennedy. Searching for a unifying thread to tie together several TV commercials for Nike, Whedon found inspiration in an unexpected source, the last words of Gary Gilmore, a convicted murderer who, before his execution, had said, let's do it. From that dark genesis, Whedon transformed the phrase into a powerful call to action, an invitation to self-empowerment, just do it. The first Just Do It advertisement aired on July 1, 1988. It featured 80-year-old Walt Stack, a San Francisco local known for his daily 17-mile runs. As Stack jogged across the Golden Gate Bridge, a voiceover introduced the world to the new Nike mantra. The message was clear, Nike wasn't just for elite athletes, it was for everyone willing to embrace the challenge, to push their limits, to just do it. The campaign was a spectacular success. It struck a chord with a broad spectrum of consumers, cutting across age, gender, and fitness levels. The Just Do It mantra resonated because it wasn't just about sports or physical fitness, it was about life. It was about taking action, pushing through fear and doubt, pursuing dreams. It was a philosophy, a lifestyle, a global call to action. Nike's Just Do It campaign also represented a significant shift in sports marketing. It was less about the product and more about the consumer. 
It was about evoking emotion, inspiring action, creating a connection. Through powerful storytelling and inspirational messaging, Nike transformed from a company that sold sports shoes and apparel to a brand that sold motivation, aspiration, and self-belief. The Just Do It campaign helped catapult Nike to new heights of popularity and profitability. Within a decade of its launch, the company's share of the domestic sports shoe market soared from 18% to 43%, and sales multiplied from $877 million to $9.2 billion. But the campaign's impact extended far beyond Nike's bottom line. It changed the way brands communicate with consumers, how they tell their stories, and how they inspire loyalty. More than three decades later, Just Do It remains one of the most recognized and influential slogans in advertising history. It continues to inspire millions around the world to embrace fitness, to chase their dreams, to push their boundaries. It's a testament to Phil Knight's vision and the power of a message that resonates with the human spirit. Because in the end, Just Do It isn't just about selling shoes. It's about inspiring people to believe in themselves, to take action, to make their dreams a reality. And that is the true legacy of Nike's Just Do It campaign. The 1990s marked the beginning of a significant phase for Nike, the era of global expansion. Already a dominant force in the American market, Phil Knight had set his sights on the vast international markets. His vision was to transform Nike from a successful American brand into a globally recognized symbol of athletic excellence. Knight began by strategically targeting regions where the sport was not just a pastime but a part of the culture. Europe, with its deep-rooted love for football, was an obvious choice. Recognizing the sport's global appeal and its potential to catapult Nike onto the international stage, Knight decided to invest heavily in football, a sport that Nike had no history with. To make an impact, Nike needed to do something audacious, something that would make the world sit up and take notice. The opportunity came in 1994 when Nike sponsored the World Cup held in the United States. It was a bold move, considering that Nike was relatively unknown in the world of football, but the gamble paid off. Nike's vibrant and innovative marketing campaign caught the world's attention, effectively announcing their arrival on the global football stage. Following the World Cup's success, Nike continued to embed itself in football culture by sponsoring high-profile teams and athletes. Deals with the Brazilian national team, the Dutch national team, and clubs like Manchester United and Barcelona, along with individual contracts with stars like Ronaldo and Ronaldinho, helped Nike infiltrate the European market and compete with established brands like Adidas and Puma. Asia, with its burgeoning middle class and growing fascination with Western brands, was the next target. Nike built an impressive presence in countries like Japan, South Korea, and later, China. Understanding the Asian market's distinct needs and preferences was key. Nike invested in research and product development, creating shoes and clothing that catered specifically to Asian consumers. In China, Nike also tapped into the country's passion for basketball. By aligning themselves with basketball stars like Michael Jordan and later LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, Nike resonated with Chinese youths, creating a dedicated and loyal consumer base. Global expansion wasn't without its challenges. Nike faced criticism for its labor practices in Asian factories. Responding to the backlash, Knight took steps to improve working conditions, increase transparency, 
and promote corporate responsibility, a move that ultimately enhanced Nike's reputation globally. By the end of the 1990s, Nike had transformed into a truly global brand, its products sold in more than 160 countries. The journey, which began with Knight selling shoes out of the trunk of his car, had taken him to places he could have scarcely imagined. Today, the iconic swoosh logo is recognized worldwide, a testament to Knight's vision, resilience, and belief in the power of sport to unite and inspire people, no matter where they are. As the new millennium dawned, Nike's global dominance was well established. Its iconic swoosh logo was recognized worldwide, and its shoes and apparel were worn by athletes and casual wearers alike. However, Phil Knight was not one to rest on his laurels. His next strategic move was to diversify Nike's product range, opening up new avenues for growth and reaching out to an even wider audience. Knight knew that for Nike to remain at the top, it could not afford to be complacent. The world of sports was vast and varied, and there were many untapped markets. He saw potential in areas such as golf, women's fitness, and outdoor activities, and set his sights on bringing the Nike touch to these spheres. First on the list was golf. In the late 90s, Tiger Woods had emerged as a global superstar, bringing an unprecedented level of attention and glamour to the sport. Seeing an opportunity, Knight signed Woods to an endorsement deal in 1996, and in 1998, Nike Golf was born. From golf shoes to clubs, Nike's golf equipment quickly gained popularity, with Woods as the face of the brand. Next came the focus on women's fitness. As more and more women began to take up sports and fitness activities, Knight recognized a burgeoning market. Nike started to design products specifically for women, taking into account their unique requirements and preferences. The launch of the Nike women's line, with sports bras, yoga pants, and women's specific shoes, was met with great success. Around the same time, Nike also ventured into outdoor sports and activities, launching ACG, all-conditions gear, for hiking, trail running, and outdoor adventures. It was a nod to Knight's Oregon roots and his love for the great outdoors. The rugged, weather-resistant gear was quickly adopted by outdoor enthusiasts. This diversification strategy also extended to acquisitions. In 2002, Nike acquired Hurley, a surfwear and youth lifestyle brand, broadening its reach to the skateboarding and surf community. In 2003, it acquired Converse, a struggling but iconic brand, bringing it back to profitability and popularity. Each step of the diversification process required an understanding of the target audience's needs and desires. Knight and his team spent time researching and developing products that not only met these needs but also carried the high-quality design and performance that Nike was known for. Through diversification, Nike transformed from a running shoe company to a multi-sport, lifestyle brand, catering to a diverse range of consumers. Knight's instinctive understanding of consumer trends and his willingness to take calculated risks ensured Nike's continued growth and relevance in an ever-changing market. As Nike grew from a startup operating out of a car's trunk to a global behemoth, one thing remained constant, the indomitable leadership of Phil Knight. Knight's leadership style was one of the key factors in Nike's success, inspiring employees, driving innovation, and shaping the brand's identity. Knight was a leader who led by example. His own passion for sports, his dedication to his vision, and his tireless work ethic set the tone for the entire organization.
He believed in the power of sports to inspire and unite people, a belief that formed the core of Nike's ethos. However, Knight was not a traditional leader. He was known for his unconventional methods and his willingness to take risks. He believed in hiring smart people and then getting out of their way, giving them the freedom to innovate and contribute their best to the company. Knight had a knack for spotting talent. He surrounded himself with a group of like-minded individuals who shared his passion and vision. This team, known as the Buttfaces for their blunt and irreverent discussions, included individuals like Rob Strasser, Peter Moore, and Tinker Hatfield, who were instrumental in shaping Nike's trajectory. Under Knight's leadership, Nike cultivated a company culture that encouraged creativity, innovation, and a little bit of rebellion. Employees were encouraged to think outside the box and to challenge the status quo. This culture fostered the creation of groundbreaking designs and campaigns, like the Air Jordan sneakers and the Just Do It campaign. Knight was also known for his tenacity. He faced numerous challenges throughout his journey, from battles with competitors to legal issues with the government. Each time, he stood firm, committed to his vision and his belief in the brand. His resilience in the face of adversity served as a powerful example for his team. Despite his success, Knight remained humble and grounded. He often credited his team for Nike's achievements and was known to express his gratitude to his employees. His approachable and down-to-earth demeanor made him a beloved figure within the company and the industry. Knight's leadership was a blend of passion, vision, and unconventional thinking. He built Nike around the idea that sports can inspire greatness and that everyone has the potential to be an athlete. His leadership style fostered an environment of innovation and resilience that helped turn Nike into the global icon it is today. Phil Knight's leadership story is an embodiment of the brand's slogan, he truly just did it. In the realm of sports apparel, Nike, under Phil Knight's leadership, emerged as a transformative force. The company went beyond simply producing sportswear, it revolutionized the entire concept, intertwining fashion, technology, and athletic performance in a way never seen before. In the early days, sports apparel was all about functionality. The focus was on creating garments that allowed athletes to perform to the best of their abilities. But Knight and his team saw an opportunity to add a new dimension to sportswear, style. The idea was revolutionary. The concept that sportswear could be both functional and fashionable was a game-changer in the industry. Nike's design team, helmed by talented creatives like Peter Moore and Tinker Hatfield, started to craft sportswear that was visually appealing and trendy, without compromising on performance. The result was an array of innovative designs, from the Air Jordan sneakers to the brightly colored tracksuits that soon became a fashion statement in their own right. Technology was another frontier where Nike made significant strides. The company invested heavily in research and development, aiming to create sportswear that could enhance athletic performance. One of the breakthroughs was the introduction of the Nike Air technology, a cushioning system that revolutionized the design of athletic shoes. But Knight didn't stop at redefining the design and technology of sportswear. He also revolutionized the way sports apparel was marketed and sold. Nike was among the first companies to understand and leverage the power of celebrity endorsements, turning athletes like Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods into global brand ambassadors. 
the strategy was hugely successful, catapulting Nike into the limelight and creating a cult-like following for its products. Moreover, Knight understood the power of storytelling and selling products. He realized that people didn't just buy products, they bought stories and experiences. Through powerful ad campaigns like Just Do It, Nike was not just selling sportswear, it was selling motivation, determination, and the spirit of athleticism. Nike stores also embodied this philosophy. Rather than simple retail spaces, Nike stores were designed to be immersive experiences, where customers could not only buy products but also engage with the brand's story and ethos. Through its innovative designs, technological advancements, and groundbreaking marketing strategies, Nike fundamentally changed the way sports apparel was perceived and consumed. This revolution wasn't just about creating stylish clothes or high-performance shoes, it was about transforming sportswear into a symbol of lifestyle and attitude, a testament to Phil Knight's vision and leadership. Under Phil Knight's visionary leadership, Nike expanded beyond the realm of sports, influencing the broader fashion world. They didn't just sell products, they created cultural icons. The story of Nike's impact on sports apparel isn't complete without understanding how it elevated athletic wear into mainstream fashion and influenced pop culture. In the 1980s and 1990s, a paradigm shift was taking place in fashion. Clothes that were once strictly for athletes started to spill over into everyday wear. Nike, with its finger on the pulse of this cultural shift, was at the forefront. The company recognized that sportswear could be both comfortable and stylish, and that the younger generation was embracing this new athleisure trend. The Air Jordan sneakers, launched in 1985, became a cultural phenomenon. Designed by Peter Moore, these sneakers weren't just about sports or performance, they embodied a certain style and attitude that resonated with the youth. The shoes transcended the basketball court, finding a home in urban streetwear and even in the punk rock scene. Nike's influence wasn't just confined to sneakers. The company's innovative designs and bold color choices in athletic wear started appearing in music videos and movies. The iconic swoosh became a symbol of cool, worn by everyone from athletes to musicians to movie stars. This blending of sports, fashion, and pop culture was something new and exciting and it was largely driven by Nike. The company also pushed boundaries in the use of technology in apparel. The introduction of DRI Fit technology in the 1990s, a fabric that wicks sweat away from the body, was a game-changer in sportswear. It wasn't just athletes who appreciated the comfort and performance of DRI Fit. The technology was embraced by everyone, from fitness enthusiasts to people seeking everyday comfort. But what truly set Nike apart was the way it told stories through its products. Every product, every ad, every store had a story to tell. These narratives often touched on themes of overcoming adversity, striving for greatness, and celebrating individuality values that resonated deeply with consumers. Through its innovative products, bold marketing strategies, and deep understanding of cultural trends, Nike changed the face of sports apparel. The company didn't just create clothes and shoes, it created a movement, a lifestyle, and a brand that has become synonymous with athletic excellence and cultural cool. 
Knight's vision transformed Nike from a small sportswear company into a global phenomenon that revolutionized the world of sports apparel. Phil Knight's story is not solely about creating a globally recognized brand. His commitment to giving back and making a difference in society is a significant part of his legacy. Phil Knight has shown time and again that his wins aren't just about financial success, but also about contributing positively to the world. In 1997, Knight and his wife, Penny, made a commitment to education and healthcare that would become one of the defining aspects of their legacy. They pledged $25 million to the Stanford Graduate School of Business, where Phil had studied, to establish a new campus. Their generosity didn't stop there. Over the years, they've contributed hundreds of millions of dollars to various institutions, including the University of Oregon and Oregon Health and Science University. In 2006, they established the Knight Cancer Institute at Oregon Health and Science University with a $100 million donation, marking their deep dedication to combating life-threatening diseases. Their philanthropy took a more personal turn when, in 2012, Phil's son Matthew tragically passed away. In his honor, the Knight family donated $15 million to the University of Oregon for the construction of a new sports complex, the Matthew Knight Arena. In 2016, they made an unprecedented pledge of $500 million to Oregon Health and Science University to accelerate the pace of cancer research. The donation was contingent on the university raising an equal amount, spurring an intense fundraising campaign. This innovative approach ignited a spark within the community, leading to the successful raising of an additional $500 million and marked a groundbreaking moment in philanthropic history. Knight's philanthropy extends beyond educational institutions and healthcare. In 2018, he donated $1 billion worth of Nike stocks to the Knight Foundation, a charity that supports transformational ideas that promote quality journalism, advance media innovation, engage communities, and foster the arts. Phil Knight's journey with Nike is a testament to his determination and passion. His philanthropic endeavors reveal another side of the man, a deeply caring individual committed to making a difference. Through his substantial donations and strategic philanthropic vision, Knight has leveraged his success to provide significant support to a wide range of causes, touching countless lives and making an indelible mark on society. In the end, Phil Knight's story isn't just about building a global sportswear giant. It's also about using his success to give back, to inspire, and to create lasting change, a different kind of victory, perhaps, but a victory nonetheless. Phil Knight's journey from selling shoes out of his car trunk to co-founding one of the world's most influential sports companies is undoubtedly inspirational. Still, the true extent of his legacy extends well beyond the boundaries of the Nike empire. His influence reverberates in the worlds of sports, business, and philanthropy, leaving a lasting impact that will continue to inspire future generations. In the realm of sports, Knight revolutionized the way athletes and the public view sports apparel and equipment. He turned athletic shoes into a fashion statement and a symbol of athletic prowess and personal determination.
His keen sense for capturing the spirit of sports in a brand has made Nike a household name synonymous with achievement, innovation, and daring to dream. From a business perspective, Phil Knight completely transformed the landscape of branding and marketing. Behind every great achievement lies an even grander vision. For Phil Knight, this vision was not just to create a successful shoe company, but to transform the world of sports and, in the process, inspire millions around the globe. His vision was bold, audacious, and it was this unflinching belief that gave birth to the Nike we know today. Knight's vision was shaped by his own experiences as a runner. He knew the sheer effort, the relentless training, and the unyielding determination required to excel in sports. This understanding was coupled with his belief in the transformative power of sports, its capacity to unite, inspire, and drive people to push their limits. He dreamed of a company that would not just provide athletes with superior gear, but would also embody this spirit of sport, this essence of perseverance and triumph. This vision was brought to life in the form of Nike. Every shoe designed, every advertisement created, every endorsement secured was guided by this vision. Knight's ambition to place a pair of Nike shoes on every athlete was not merely a business goal, it was an endeavor to embed the spirit of Nike, the spirit of pushing boundaries and achieving greatness into the very fabric of sports. Knight also envisioned Nike as an innovator, constantly pushing the envelope in design, technology, and marketing. He embraced risk and championed novel ideas, whether it was the waffle-sold running shoes, the daring just-do-it campaign, or the groundbreaking celebrity endorsements. This forward-thinking approach transformed Nike from a mere shoe company into a global trendsetter, shaping the culture and aesthetics of sports. But Knight's vision extended beyond Nike's corporate sphere. He recognized the power he wielded as the leader of a successful company and used it to drive change in the broader world. His philanthropic efforts in education, healthcare, and journalism reflect this vision of a better future, of a world propelled by knowledge, health, and truth. In many ways, Knight's vision is the lifeblood of Nike. It's the underlying force that has steered the company through challenges and triumphs, keeping it at the forefront of the industry. It is the beacon that continues to guide Nike in its ongoing journey, ensuring that it stays true to its roots even as it evolves and expands. The story of Phil Knight is a testament to the power of a compelling vision. It's a testament to the impact one can make when they dare to dream big, believe fervently, and put in the hard work to make those dreams a reality. Phil Knight's vision, much like the swoosh that symbolizes it, continues to inspire, innovate, and leave an indelible mark on the world. Phil Knight's management approach has been as unique and transformative as the man himself. Rooted in his own experiences as an athlete, it is a strategy that fosters individual brilliance while harnessing it towards a unified goal. It is an approach that has guided Nike to become more than just a shoe company but a global behemoth that has revolutionized the sports industry. Knight viewed his company much like a sports team. Just as every player has a unique skill set that contributes to the overall success of the team, he believed every member of his company had a distinctive role to play. He sought out individuals who not only possessed exceptional skills, but also had the passion, creativity, and drive that aligned with Nike's culture. 
Knight was a firm believer in giving his team the freedom to explore, innovate, and take risks. He encouraged open dialogue and valued diverse perspectives. This trust and autonomy often led to groundbreaking ideas and innovative solutions, like the creation of the Waffle Soul by Bill Bowerman or the iconic Just Do It campaign by Dan Whedon. Knight's management style was also characterized by his belief in the power of relationships. His early partnership with his former coach, Bill Bowerman, exemplified this. Their shared passion for running and a mutual respect for each other's abilities formed the foundation of Nike. Knight carried this belief into his leadership approach, building strong relationships with his team, his partners, and his endorsers. He understood the value of motivation and inspiration in achieving greatness. Knight often drew from his sports background to motivate his team, using the principles of competition, teamwork, and perseverance to instill a sense of purpose and drive. Nike's annual meetings were more than just business updates. They were energetic rallies designed to inspire, celebrate, and push the team towards greater heights. Yet, at the heart of his management approach was a deep-seated respect for the individual. Knight recognized that the strength of Nike lay in its people, their talents, their ideas, their commitment. He nurtured a culture that celebrated individual accomplishments, that valued diverse voices, and that fostered a sense of belonging. Phil Knight's management style is a testament to his visionary leadership. It is a blueprint for success that is rooted in respect for the individual, a culture of creativity, and a firm belief in the power of teamwork. It is an approach that has not only built a global empire but has also revolutionized the way businesses are run. His legacy in management continues to inspire leaders across industries, proving that success is not just about making great products but about building a great team. In the swirling currents of the business world, resilience stands as a beacon, guiding ships through stormy seas. For Phil Knight, this resilience is more than just a trait. It's a mindset, a spirit that has propelled Nike from a small shoe distributor to a global sports titan. Knight's resilience was put to the test early on in his career, beginning with his audacious venture to Japan. Alone in a foreign land, he persuaded Anasuka Company to grant him the distribution rights for Tiger Shoes in Western USA. Despite the inherent risks and his lack of business experience, Knight persevered. This courage in the face of uncertainty was a testament to his resilience, a trait that would serve him well in the years to come. Then came the trials of Blue Ribbon Sports. Knight and his team faced countless hurdles, from initial funding issues to distribution challenges. Yet, they didn't falter. Knight demonstrated an unwavering belief in his vision, a resilience that steadied the ship during those rocky early years. Even as Nike soared in popularity, resilience remained a cornerstone of Knight's leadership. When the company faced a severe financial crunch in the early 1980s, he did not succumb to despair. Instead, he tackled the crisis head-on, making difficult decisions that ultimately steered Nike back into calmer waters. Knight's resilience was not confined to the boardroom. It shone brightly in the face of public criticism and controversy. Whether it was addressing allegations of poor factory conditions or responding to market competition, Knight displayed a tenacity that was truly remarkable.
he used these challenges as opportunities for growth, continually pushing Nike to elevate its standards and practices. But perhaps the most profound demonstration of Knight's resilience was his determination to keep innovating. Despite Nike's success, he never rested on his laurels. From pioneering new shoe technologies to exploring new markets, Knight's relentless drive to evolve and improve has kept Nike at the forefront of the sports industry. Through every high and low, Knight's resilience has remained a steady heartbeat, driving Nike forward. It's a trait that has been instilled in the company's DNA, fostering a culture of perseverance and determination. Phil Knight's story is a powerful testament to the power of resilience. It's a lesson in tenacity, in overcoming adversity, and in never losing sight of one's vision. His journey serves as an inspiring blueprint for all, a reminder that with resilience, even the most audacious dreams can be realized. As we journey through the winding path of Phil Knight's life, we bear witness to an epic tale of tenacity, resilience, and sheer determination. This narrative, filled with colorful characters and remarkable achievements, is more than just the story of a successful businessman, it's a testament to the human spirit, to the relentless pursuit of dreams, and to the power of believing in oneself. Our tale begins in the quiet city of Portland, Oregon, where a young knight discovered his love for running. Little did he know that this passion would lay the foundation for a global empire. At the University of Oregon, under the watchful gaze of Coach Bowerman, Knight honed not only his athletic prowess but also nurtured a vision of enhancing the athletic experience. His academic pursuits took him from Oregon to Stanford and back, each chapter bringing him closer to his dream. A pivotal trip around the world proved to be the catalyst, sparking an idea that would transform the sports industry forever. The birth of Blue Ribbon Sports marked the beginning of Knight's entrepreneurial journey, a journey filled with obstacles and triumphs.